Marty Marks. How are you doing, Marty? Yeah, baby. I am doing awesome. <laughs> that is fantabulous to hear. Now, I heard today up in Chicago, I talked to my sister who lives in the Loop. You're in DeKalb, Illinois. And what is that, about an hour, hour and a half to the straight, straight west straight of west. Chicago? Straight west, yep. She said it was like 60 degrees. Is that true? You have any heat It is. This is nutty, nutty weather. Um, yep, uh, no one's complaining, but it's nutty weather. She said it felt weird, and I'm like, I'll take weird and warm any day. But uh, anyways, Pastor Marty Marks is the uh, pastor at Emanuel Lutheran Church and Student Center in DeKalb, Illinois, serving students at Northern Illinois University. And uh, Go Huskies. Go Huskies. Wanted to have you on today because we're going to start going through a lot of different people that had sectionals at our recently concluded Liberty Conference. And you were one of them. And, you know, I was watching the inauguration and then the the women's march the day after and this, that, and the other thing and watching all the hysteria. And everybody seemed down. Everybody's, like, triggered. Everybody's, like, just crying and full of anxiety. And you did a topic called, a sectional topic called, So You Had, so you had a Bad Day. And I thought, what could be more perfect than to talk about when everybody seems to be having a bad day. So, without Take it further away. ado, let's, <laughs> let's talk about, tell us a little bit about, uh, about why you chose that topic and, and what, how do you respond to people that are having such a bad day? And, and where biblically yeah. do you draw from for this? Well, absolutely happy to. And well, I'm working with college students and just, people in the world, you know, there's a lot of anxiety and stress, a lot of triggers for things, as you mentioned, um, you know, the last few days um, certainly have triggered a, a whole lot of angst by people with political things, just things in the news, friends ticking them off on, on um, social media. Going back to um, school and, for everybody at the spring semester. Well, <laughs> yeah, even more mundane things like going I back to school. I only had six uh, weeks off. <laughs> so... So when I led the sectional, and and I've I've spoken on this before, but it uh, you know it's amazing when you look at God's word and and you kind of really dig into to what happens in God's word, you know you you see the life of Jesus not just as kind of an abstract concept, 
but here, here is a real person. Yes, he's true God and true man, absolutely. But here's a real person who's lived a real human life and experienced all the things that we've experienced. And so, um, you know, Matthew 14 is a, a phenomenal piece of scripture when we look at it. Um, and and I, I love our way of doing Lutheran worship. I love that we have what's called pericopes, where we have lessons oh, that yeah. we read every Sunday. Um, the one drawback to that, though, is since most of us aren't allowed to do hour-long sermons, we can't usually do what? justice to some of the pieces of Scripture. <laughs> There's a time limit? I've never heard. I did not get this memo. Uh, well, you know, you went to the other seminary, so maybe they covered the time thing. <laughs> no, I, I've actually never preached more than about 15 minutes, but... Uh, but, well, and so uh, here's what happens: anyways. accidentally, completely accidentally, but but folks kind of learn things in in pericopal form or from Sunday school lessons, and sometimes miss some of the bigger pieces of scripture and how it all fits together. Sure. So Matthew 14 has really three different well-known biblical stories that happen in about a 24-hour period for Jesus. I, I call Jesus's bad day because it's next to him dying on the cross probably the worst day in his ministry, at least recorded in Scripture anyway. Um, and, and we see how Jesus handles a number of bad things that, that are very typical for things we deal with, the betrayal of friends, um, you know, horrible things going on in the political and larger world environments, loss of a loved one, um, you know, some maybe even occupational questioning. I don't think he ever questioned being the Messiah, but if anything would question him being in service to God, watching what happened to his friend John the Baptist, and we'll cover that in a minute here, you know, would cause all that. So, so stuff that we deal with, you know, friends betraying us, things in the world, you know, rough day kind of stuff. How did he respond to that? And and I think it gives us a, a guideline. Now we can't live up to Jesus, but it shows us the model that he's laid out for us and how to handle things, sure. perhaps in a better way than we do ourselves. So if you're right with this, uh, Pastor Zill, I'm going to do a, a whirlwind version of Matthew 14 here. Um, no, it's, not, I, it's not Pastor Zill, it's Chancellor Zill. <laughs> All right, well... well My boss loves Grand, it when I say Grand Poobah <laughs> Chancellor... <laughs> I get My asked lead. this all the time. You're um, not a real chancellor, are you? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> no, I would vote for you. You do that voodoo that you do. All right. Well, here we go. We're gonna we're gonna do Matthew 14 on steroids and an awful lot of caffeine, and we'll see how far we get here. So, if if you want to pull Matthew 14 out and some you know look along as we we go here, um, feel free to do so. Um, we get uh, uh, at the beginning of it. Matthew recording that Herod the Tetrarch uh, heard reports about Jesus and said to his attendants, this is John the Baptist, he's risen from the dead. Um, and so right away you're like, well, all right, so John the Baptist is already dead, um, and Jesus hears about it. And then Matthew, in kind of the way he does his storytelling, and it's a very typical thing for for scripture and for writing at that time, he kind of backtracks and says, all right, well, and I'm going to tell you about what happened here. Um, here's how John the Baptist died. Um, I think you've got a relatively adult audience here. I'll, I'll try to keep it to just underrated R, but the real story is probably a rated X story. Um, you've got John the Baptist preaching against Herod the, the Tetrarch. He's a son of Herod the Great, the one who put the babies to death looking for, for baby Jesus. Sure. Um, so, so dad's a piece of work. Um, now, now you've got Herod the Tetrarch, his son, also a piece of work. And this whole family line just had some real serious issues as how they handled things. Um, so he is 
living with, married to um, a niece of his who had been married to his brother. So there's incest all over the place, which is not biblically approved at all. Um, Jumping from from one brother to another, and and the gal he's with, a gal named Herodias, there's the real piece of work. Uh, she was with brother number one, um, decided, well, he wasn't ambitious enough to unite the kingdom of Herod the Great, the father before. Um, so jumps to the brother number two, Herod the Tetrarch. She's going to later jump to a different brother. Um, but uh, uh, at this point, they're living together in marriage, in sin. And John the Baptist says, you're the leader of the Jewish people in in Israel here. You're not actually a Jew, but you're still holding that role for us, um, what you're doing is sinning and wrong and, and needs to be stopped. Now, Herod, while he hears what John the Baptist is saying, is not the repenting sort. Mm-hmm. So he locks him up, but doesn't have the guts to pull the trigger and, and get rid of him. The people think he's a prophet. The people respect him. He doesn't want to kill him. So Herodias, the real piece of work, takes matters into her own hands. She says, you know, all right, I got to get rid of this guy. So here's what's going to happen. My my husband is having a party. He's got all his buddies there. I kind of picture like the, the Middle Ages, the kings gather around, and all his buddies are sitting at the table eating the turkey legs. And uh, she sends out her daughter to do a dance. This is not cute little um, Irish step dance kind of stuff here, and everyone claps and says, isn't that cute? Uh, this is probably a teenage girl who goes out and does rated R plus probably XX. Oh, I think it's a level above that. I suspect there was performing of things that were yuckiness beyond get out. Um, Now, why am I telling you all this? Not to gross you out, but to say these are the people leading Israel. Jesus Mm. is looking at the political landscape of his world and saying, these are the people leading my people. You know, who's the ultimate king? Jesus. But who's in the stead, you know, kind of ruling in his behalf? This guy. So now what happens, the, the girl comes out, performs the dance, and whatever else she does. Um, Herod, in his joy of having received things, now says, I'll do whatever you say. Um, and he doesn't want to let his buddies down because he made the promise. What, it, what does the girl want when she's promised anything she wants? Well, mom's put her up to it. And mom says, ask for John the Baptist's head on a platter. I, this is the only way I'm get my husband to do what I think he needs to do. Mm-hmm. So, so sure enough, she asks for it. Herod doesn't want to wimp out in front of his buddies, so orders John the Baptist to be put to death. So now the word gets back to Jesus. And if that's not going to bum you out to say, you're my cousin, my co-worker in the kingdom, a guy who serves in, in ministry with me, has been killed by despicable people for absolutely despicable reasons. Um, you know, if any, anything would cause you to throw in the towel professionally, that would be it. Not Jesus, thankfully. So what does Jesus do? Jesus, his base of operation is in a, a town called Capernaum. It's kind of at the north side of the Sea of Galilee, and uh, where he kind of, People came all the time to see him, and he had, he had a house there we kind of operated out of. Um, day in, day out, the people are coming, and they're not just coming to say, hey, really wise teacher guy or, or prophet. Um, some are probably doing that. The vast majority, though, know he's a healer, know that you know if they have a need and they show up, he's going to take care of them. So he gets this news. He's devastated. He's got crowds waiting to be healed, You know, probably lined up outside the door, and he's like, hey, guys, my, my buddy's disciples, uh, apostles, let's get in the boat. You guys are fishermen, only some of you are. You've got a boat right here. Let's let's go off to a secluded place. We'll put out from the shore and Because uh, he just, he just heard I, that John the Baptist had been killed, right? Yeah. He's crushed. He's devastated. You know, and, and 
you know, you have those kind of days too, don't we? You know, as college students, as, as any human beings, we get terrible news and we just want to be left alone. We just kind of need to go process. So that's Jesus. He's human, wants to go process, but he's going to take his closer buddies with to kind of help support him. They, they get out to shore. They, they head out. The Sea of Galilee, while a sea, is, is a really small lake. Well, it's a large lake, but it's a, it's a small body of water in the grand scheme of things. Um, and it's so not the Lake Michigan, that, but it's bigger than anything <laughs> we have here in New Mexico. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. You know, but, but here's the thing. You, you can set out on foot and be like, well, I kind of know where those guys are going to go. And yeah, where they're going to put in, it's uh-huh. a rocky shore and kind of you know, barren scrubland. But we can kind of like see where it's going. So so as he heads out, it takes a while to roll out there and they kind of get to where they're going. The people who are like, well, I showed up to have my mom healed, my daughter's demon cast out. You know, I just needed the, the savior for just a minute or two, if he could just spend a minute. So maybe if we track him where he's going, we'll we'll catch up with him. And so that's what they do. They head out, you know, by, by the dirt roads, probably three-ish miles or so it takes them, you know, to kind of get to where Jesus that's back in the to land again. So it's really not that far. It takes a while to walk, but uh, um, they, they get there. And as Jesus is pulling in with the boat, here's the crowds already starting to assemble. Mm. Now, if it was me, I would be ticked. You know, I'm, of course, I'm a sinful human. Jesus isn't. But, you know, I wanted to be alone, guys. Now you tracked me out here. And for your own selfish reasons, you know, you followed me because you wanted what you wanted. Leave me the heck alone. Um, but not Jesus. What does he do? He looks on the crowds. He has compassion on them as if, you know, sheep without a shepherd. Um, And so he says, hey, come on in, guys. You need me. I'm here to heal you. I'm going to put my needs on hold. You know, when we have a bad day, you know, when we can serve others Mm -hmm. and put our needs on hold, um, it's amazing what God can do through us. But, you know, usually part of our bad day is we start delving into our selfishness, our own. Here's how I I have a bad day. I have to apologize for all the the bad things that I said to (laughs) others uh, because I was upset. And then I use that as an excuse. Absolutely. And you're not alone. I think yeah, we're, we're all that way. So so, so he heals them all day long. Now he's exhausted on top of it, at least I would think he is. Um, the disciples come to him and say, hey, send send these people away. They shouldn't be out here anyway. They're annoying you, you know. You know. And Jesus is like, no, I'm not going to send them away. Why does he want them sent away? Well, because it's going to take them a while in the scrubland to get back up to where they came from to get to their homes. There's no food. He's like, you know, send them away. No, you feed them. Now, now the Twelve are like what you know what now what um, another teachable moment you know that um, Jesus can empower his disciples his followers to do his work and uh, some really neat stuff happens he he takes the the few loaves and, and fish that they have he offers up thanks really a blessing is probably the better translation he asks God to use this food to the benefit of the people gathered there and not just to nourish their bodies but but for a, a deeper sense of um, connection. And what does he do? He starts handing the food to his disciples to hand out to the people. And you know this story. Now we've got two stories connected here. We, we know the story of John the Baptist getting put to death, and now the feeding of the 5,000. Um, 5,000 are fed by Jesus handing to his disciples and them handing to the people. Jesus asks us to do the same thing 2,000 years later. He says, I want you to go and take the things that I give you and give it to others. And when you don't think you've got any energy reserve or emotional strength left, you know what? I'm going to give you more than you expect. They, they looked at him and said, there's not enough to go around. <laughs> and yet, not only was there enough, how much did they gather up? You know this one, Pastor Zell. How much left over do they have? Yeah, like, like, like more they, could, they, they couldn't fill up the baskets. Well, get, count, how many baskets did they have left over? There was like 5,000. No, I'm sorry. What no, are you talking about? That. 
There are 5,000 people, well, plus women and children. Ugh. 12 baskets. Yes, 12. One I'm for sorry. Each of the hey, you caught me off track. I need to. I, I know you know this, man. All right. So, actually, so actually you got me. Yeah. You caught me reading ahead to the next pericope. <laughs> and I was like, what? You're, You're wondering how much questions. longer he's going to go with this. Yes. You know, so, so they gather up 12 basketfuls, one for each guy. And so, you know, I, I think there, there's reality. Did that really happen? Absolutely. Sure. Is there a deep symbolism with the reality? Absolutely. Um, the, the 12 basketballs in my mind represents that you know not only did they get enough to to provide what they had they had a complete amount of leftovers one for each person and i think the same thing for us when we serve jesus help and care for others in our times of distress um god's going to give us what we need to to carry out the task he calls us to and there's going to be leftover beyond abundance um all right got to really step up the pace here. Yeah, now, we got now about Jesus, six, seven minutes left here. To, to All right, let's see what we can do. Jesus goes off, and finally, he is human, and he does need to recharge his batteries. He goes off and prays by himself, sends the boat out with the guys in the boat, and says, wait for me. Yeah. He prays, you know, till late at night, you know, fourth watch, you know, which is about 5 a.m. The sun's about to come up, but not yet. It's still dark. Everyone's drowsy. Um, he finishes praying, walks across the water to get to them. We know this story, but boy, this is the same day. This is the same set of stories all combining. Mm. What's the first thing they say when they see him? It's a ghost. We're going to die. A lot of lore in that in that time, in that place of ghosts, you know, sinking ships. And so, you know, the people kind of believe the, the urban legend, if you will, that there were ghosts out on the water. And yet, what's interesting is they've watched Jesus miraculously heal people miraculously feed people use them to do it in the unknown what's their first still reaction to be afraid they yeah. know jesus they know he does miraculous stuff so why is the guy walking across the water somebody be afraid of him because we're afraid of the unknown what's the message for us today jesus is in the unknown you know is there sometimes scary things about the unknown? yeah but jesus is in it he's been to the end of time he's been back we don't have to be afraid of the unknown and and so we get peter coming out of the boat that's a crazy story right there um jesus pulls him back in even though he doubts jesus doesn't say i'm gonna let you flail around for a bit grabs him instantly i totally would have made him flail around and kind of like you did when you scene. asked me, uh, caught me off guard with the helmet. Yeah, sorry. I'm so sorry for that. <laughs> you know, but here's, you know, here's how Jesus is different than us. You know, we, we like to get a dig in here and there because we're human. Sure. Jesus doesn't do that. He, he wants all of his servants always to succeed. And when we fail and we ask for help every single time without question, he says, of course, I forgive you. Of course, I'm going to restore you. Of course, I'm going to pull you into the boat and, and put you back on, on track. Last part, although I could go on more, sure. when they get in the boat, what do they do? They worship him. Mm. And, and I, you know, not that I want to start off any worship wars or anything, but I think this is the most pure form of worship and understanding what worship is in Scripture. Sure. Um, no one pulls out an organ. No one pulls out a hymnal. No one pulls out an electric guitar or anything else. They simply recognize who Jesus is and what he's done and praise him for it. Well, that's it says, and those in the boat yeah. worshiped him, saying, truly yep. you are the Son of God. And that is worship at its very, very essence, sure. um, the most pure form of worship. So, you know, the, the day ends, they, they, they get back and some other stuff happens. But, you know, boy, how do we respond to a bad day when we're struggling? We do the things Jesus did. We have compassion on others. We serve. We recharge our battery in prayer. Um, and we don't fear the unknown because Jesus is in the unknown. So as we're facing bad days, there's my advice for you. Turn to Matthew 14 and, and do what he does. Well, that is fantastic. Actually, you did it, and with uh, and uh, with uh, with months to spare and under budget. Wow, <laughs> there you go. All right, you know. that is, you know, that is. Uh, frankly, this sounds like a book in the making, uh, Pastor Marks. Maybe you should consider uh, 
fleshing this out a little bit more. But I think the, there's a guy who already wrote it. His name's Matthew. No, well, <laughs> I just no, paraphrased. I understand. <laughs> Touche, touche. You can't say it better than Matthew, but if that's the case, then I would have just said, don't go to your sectional and just read Matthew 14 during the next hour. But you do a wonderful job of explaining oh, this, and in record time, uh, you know, so often we don't, I think you're right, we, we you know, we've, we've, heard, we've heard all these individual texts, but we don't, you know, I hadn't even stopped to think that, wow, this is all the same day. And, uh, you know, that is really remarkable that, uh, you know, we hear that Jesus is the Son of God. We know that he was sinless. But to think of what he went through, just, just hearing that uh, you're basically your cousin, your cousin is dead. The one who is yeah. the greatest one born of women um, through natural means. The one who is the, uh, the, the one that is the, the forerunner to you. Boom, he's dead and now you want to just get away, and then you're deluged with people and who, who want your compassion when everything about this would say that you need compassion yourself at that moment, but this isn't just anybody, this is Jesus. And so what, what better picture do we have of really, like you said, of what we're, the worship um, of the Son of God is about, uh, the one who cannot just walk on water and feed 5,000 but who, who gives us what we need in the midst of all that's unknown and all that we fear. So thank you for well, that. Well, if I could inspire one other thing, yeah, you know, please. just a love for Scripture and God's Word. You know, it, it is a living thing. You know, I mean, these are not just kind of either academic stories or, or little bits to be analyzed. Not not that we don't analyze Scripture, but, man, let, let the stories kind of teach you who Jesus is by kind of understanding what what's going on there i know some of it involves some homework to to learn but just read the story and kind of get into the moment of it now you know it takes a little work to do that uh, but man good stuff when we when we're in god's word and we let it speak to us absolutely now before we leave we just got a couple minutes here first of all i wanted to give you credit where credit's due you passed out a whole bunch of ninjas uh tell everybody about your ninja passing out practice what are these little guys all right started a number of years ago, but uh, um, started with giving to my kids, but, but learned that, uh, you know, adults appreciate being recognized for good, good behavior when they do something special. And so I started years ago just kind of giving these little plastic ninjas to, to anyone who in some way has touched my life, um, life of our church, or, or someone I know. Um, and it, it's just a, a personal little, almost always one-on-one -on -one kind of thing um, where I say, thank you for, for making a difference in the world here, you know, it's a small recognition that you make a difference in the world. Um, and so even at the sectional, to the folks who are attending, by being there and, and by saying, you know, I'm going to come as a college student, give up part of my Christmas break to learn about how to serve the Lord better, you make a difference in the world. So we handed out a bunch of them at the, the conference, um, some in the sectional, some, to, matter of fact, to President Harrison. Yes. I was very honored to, Gave you to a get chance him to one. Give one out to President Harrison and Montana District President Forky for being That's awesome correct. enough to uh, allow their facial hair to be stripped away from their face. <laughs> and you well, get one out to my, uh, my trustee registrar who worked her tail off. Yeah. Renee, if you're listening, um, thank you for all you did. And, uh, and you gave me a couple of them too. And so, uh, and I think well, you deserve one. You did an absolutely phenomenal yeah. job walking through, oh, I don't know, like 38 verses of scripture <laughs> in about 16 and a half minutes 
But uh, anyways, thank you for uh, being ninja worthy yourself. And uh, hey, real quick, there is this uh, upcoming conference that's coming up, a campus ministry leadership conference. This is something you put on um, every yeah. year, usually the beginning of February. It's coming up. There's still room if anybody wants to go. Why don't you fill people in? About a minute or sure. so on, on what is this uh, campus ministry yeah, leadership Yeah, it's a really cool thing. It's been going on 30-ish years. I've been involved 20-some-odd years of it. Um, uh, it. It's kind of a regional thing, although anyone's welcome. It's just the it's, it's about a 24-hour period. Um, it's Friday, uh, February 10th into Saturday, uh, February 11th. And uh, this year we're, we're meeting at Valpo's Chapel, the Chapel of the Resurrection. Normally we're at a campsite. We'll probably be at a camp, not an outdoor campsite, but a, you know, an indoor retreat camp. Retreat center kind um, of thing, yeah. Yeah, retreat center, exactly. Um, but uh, the intention is to have kind of the leaders, although up-and-coming leaders are just fine, too, of campus ministries. Most of them are state schools. Um, however, uh, Concordia Chicago attends, Valpo attends, so there's also Lutheran schools, uh, Christian schools as well. Um, and it's just a neat chance to get a bunch of college students together to brainstorm. Um, there's always a speaker, and then there's also just some sharing about what ministry's like on their campuses, and a chance to meet and hang out and network. So uh, sure. so if you want to know more about it, um, a couple places you can look. There's a Facebook event for it called Campus Ministry Leadership Conference 2017 on Facebook. Find me and add me as a friend, and I'll send you an invite. Or you can go to a website, which is golcma.org, and uh, it's one of the, the banner ads up there. LCMA sure. is uh, an organization that helps sponsor this for us. So, um, yeah, we'd well, love fan, to have anybody fantastic. there. Fantastic, and I'm looking for I'm gonna. You've invited me the last four or five years. I haven't been able to make it happen, and uh, I'm going to find the time I'm going to come. And, awesome. Uh, well, and the maybe I'll pick up some little uh, ninjas to bring along the way and give you one in front of everybody. Well, that's all we have time for here today in the Student Union. Check us out at lcmsu.org and college students. Remember, college is tough. You need Jesus, we'll help.